This episode of Kid Lit These Days is sponsored by Lit Stitch. 25 cross-stitch patterns for book lovers made by Book Riot and Abrams. Inside Book Riot's Lit Stitch, you'll find a number of rad bookish cross-stitch patterns. Some of these are for bookmarks, others are for wall decor, and still others can take on a whole host of finished outcomes. What they have in common is their literary bent. The patterns speak to all manner of literary-minded book lovers who are happy to display their nerdier sides. And what better way than through your own cross-stitch art to hang on your wall, prop on your desk, or even gift to friends and family. And most, if not all, are beginner-friendly and can be completed in a few hours. Instant stitchification! So grab yourself some excellent embroidery floss, hoops, and needles, and pick out one or more of these great cross-stitch patterns for your next project. Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of Kidlet These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kidlet These Days, we are your Kidlet connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Matthew Winner, alongside Nicole Young, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on May 10th, 2020. Nicole Young, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing okay, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing all right. I got to say that top sponsor about cross-stitching, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. The stitchification <laughs> word, lost, I lost it on stitchification. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. All I could think sharing that sponsor was, well, I don't do embroidery. But I do play an awful lot of Animal Crossing, and I'm into making my own clothing patterns on Animal Crossing, so I could totally do that with these patterns. That's all I could think of, and I was resisting saying it during the ad, and now I'm saying it here. <laughs> that's been my, that's been, we were talking outside of recording about how we are um, taking care of ourselves. And that's one of the ways I've been taking care of myself is by, um, like, I guess millions of people right now um, escaping in the, into my island in Animal Crossing and just sort of being in control of the things that I can control and fishing and catching bugs and just, like, you know, trying to just relax. That sounds glorious. Yeah, mm. um, as we were talking about, it's been, you know, it's been a tough week. Uh, for me, and I think for lots of people who are black in America, um, and for me, I think my rest and my recharge has come from music and art and even working with my hands. So the, it's doing my, doing my own stitchification, if you will, uh, things with my hands. Um, but yeah, like the, last night, there was this beautiful Instagram live with Erica Badu and Jill Scott, and it was a life-giving thing that helped, I think, a lot of us um, who are black and feeling the heaviness, the additional heaviness on top of this pandemic, um, that, you know, that there was a little bit of a lightning last night. And so I have been so grateful for those moments of, of levity and light. I'm grateful that those moments found you. I know <laughs> that, um, sometimes it can really feel like, like a blessing, like, I don't know what divine intervention, maybe <laughs> that, that some, just right things meet us at just the right time. I've been on fire with books this week, Nicole, reading books that I have on, on my shelf for review, but then thinking, I have to read these to my students tonight. I do. A, a, I have mentioned before that I do a nightly story time for our lower school, and each night I've just grabbed this book that I had just read the night before and went, oh my word, have I got the greatest book to share with you. Just <laughs> timing right now is is cosmic and amazing and moving. Um, so, I um, have been, yeah. you are the one who inspired me to really dig into audiobooks. So I got, I think we talked last <laughs> week about Ghost Squad and I, I got it, on, I finally got it on audiobook um, this week, the, the library let me have it. So I've been listening to that. I've been listening to all of these um, books that we're talking about on, I've been listening to a lot of books we're talking about here on audiobook. So, yeah. Oh, Nicole, I didn't even remember to tell you this before recording. I'll say it on recording though. I completed the audiobook of Ellen O's The Dragon Egg Princess. Oh, how was it? And it, it was, was it? awesome. Oh, I can't the story wait. Is, the story is real good. It did not 
go to the scary dark that I thought that was going to, because I, I, I just know that Ellen O likes to write some scary, and I appreciate that about her, but I was a little nervous. There were <laughs> um, definitely parts that were real dark, though. There's sort of this dark magic that's awoken in this part of the forest, and the way that the Ellen O imagines, well, it's a fantasy story, and what a great escape to have just this wonderful fantasy story of these different factions of people and magic users and enhanced magic, enhanced technology people. It was, it was, it was awesome. Really cool. I can't wait for you to, to enjoy it. Okay. Well, I'm going to rent it. I'm going to check it out from the library on audiobook. That'll be my next pick. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing I was mentioning to you that, um, that I've had something that has brought me a lot of joy that I wanted to share with you was that, um, let me enter it this way. My son had a science activity to do this week where he was um, learning about light, right? So he had to measure his closet door being open a certain number of centimeters and what do you observe inside ultimately to learn that the more light that's inside or the more light going off of something and reflecting back to you, the more you're able to perceive color and texture and things like that. And then for art, he had to do a color spectrum project where he had to Um, arrange found objects into a color spectrum and take a photo of it. And wouldn't you know, his dad has been redoing the library, uh, making rainbow bookshelves. Yeah. And so I was like, so I was like, buddy, I haven't done my comics yet. Do you want to do this? And he did. And to just sit and listen to my kid go, oh, I don't know, daddy, is this darker than this? Does it fit here? And I, and to have the, um, Whatever you, the restraint is, that maybe the right word to have the restraint just to say, "You do it, buddy. Do it your way." And I've been looking at it, and I'm so proud of what Aww. he did, and it looks so pretty. I and love he grabbed it. comics after that. And he's like, "Maybe I'll read this one." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that's been that's been my joy is my oh, kid doing rainbow bookshelves. It's you know you. You have books in your house. You've read them so many times that you know what they are. I know my books by spine. I couldn't do that in my library at school, but I can do that at home. And it's just been a little thing that's given me a lot of joy to look at, to look at the colors like that. Ah, So on that note, Nicole, the topic we're doing for today's focus is one that you pitched a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. So why don't you share with listeners what are we talking about this week? Yeah. So you and I have talked a lot about and tried to uh, hear on Kidlet these days, talk through like all of the the grief that we're feeling, the worry, the sadness that children and all of the people who are caring for children are feeling right now in the midst of this unprecedented pandemic. Right. But I also think it's such um, an important time to reimagine the world. And for us to we have to give ourselves space and the children in our lives space um, to dream big and think big about how do we fix some of the problems that we're seeing right now, right? Like, what are the ways and the tools that we use um, to reimagine and rebuild our world? And I think especially, again, um, you know, the Black parents who are listening, I know that this has been a tough week, and you've had to have some really tough conversations with your children about what the world is now. And I think it's such a beautiful opportunity we have to teach and and guide children to thinking about how they can reimagine their world because their minds are so expansive. Um, and we want them to know that not only they're expansive, but they're powerful and they can can reshape um, everything around them. So I'm excited to share books that help us reimagine the world. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about this topic with you. Um, first, why don't you share our next sponsor? Sure. So this episode is sponsored by Lucy Nisley's Stepping Stones from Random House Graphic. New York Times bestselling author Lucy Nisley just released her first middle grade fiction graphic novel. Stepping Stones follows Jen, a young girl who moves to the country with her mom following her parents' divorce. Now they live on a farm with her mom's boyfriend and his two daughters. Having to learn how to work on a farm and sell at a farmer's market is hard enough, but it's more difficult when your new stepsister is basically perfect. This heartfelt new story finds Jen struggling to deal with change and trying to find her own voice in the process. Nice. I love Lucy Nisley's comics a lot. She typically has written for like YA and above. Like okay. she did have a, a new picture book too though. Um 
something new is a graphic novel in particular by hers that I love. So uh, reading Middle Grade by Lucy is going to be a treat. So, Nicole, you suggested weeks ago as we were sort of we've been navigating this world of how responsive should we be to what's going on in the world mm-hmm. when it feels like we're going through, as you mentioned, an experience that's unprecedented. Uh, we've also brought up here before that that it's really doing a number on mental health. Yeah. That it really is, is causing us to, you know, we've historically on this show um, reflected exactly what was going on in, in the world at large in the news, but a lot of the news that's happening now is just updates on COVID-19. So we've, I love, uh, spent time talking about um, where are these resources for those that are uh, being safe at home. We've talked about online um, book fests and things like that nature. For you now to bring us into reimagining the world is something that I feel like speaks so much to, to hope and to looking at the other side and using this time as a as a concentrated time to assemble our knowledge and our gifts and our abilities to shape the world that we want when we are back out in it, interacting with one another face to face again. I am obsessed with this idea. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought it to the table. <laughs> So yeah. I'm literally, I read a book to my fifth graders or my fourth graders this week. Um, I don't know if you've read this nonfiction book yet. It's called, I'm grabbing it off my shelf. Like I need to hold it up and show you, even though we're not on a video <laughs> chat. <laughs> it's called The Catman of Aleppo. And it's written by Irene Latham and Karim Shamsi Basha, illustrated by Yuko Shimizu. It's uh, the true story of uh, a man in Syria, in Aleppo, Syria. Um, War ravaged Syria the past seven years, and he made news for saving cats and other animals, but ultimately saving cats. He he is an ambulance driver and um, noticed all of these cats where um, people had to flee the country but they left behind so many things in particular, their, their domesticated pets. And so he started feeding what cats he found. And, and um, soon it went from like five to 12 to 50 cats. Um, donations poured in. He was able to open up a sanctuary. They also rescued uh, wild animals and um, even like wild things, um, Nicole, like a tiger that was yeah. in transit to a zoo in Turkey but because of the bombing, it got stuck there. So amazing, amazing true story. Um, this book, I think, just came out from Penguin. But I was sharing it with my students because my students around this time of year, I- I've come to learn because this is my first year at this school. Mm-hmm. My fourth graders do a passion project where they think about how they can do the greatest good in their world. Oh, using, I love that. Yeah, using knowledge that they... They want to acquire or some interest that they already have that they want to dig deeper on or connecting with nonprofits or the way I understand it, they can go anywhere with this project and the teachers really act as facilitators. And so as I was reflecting on that, I thought, oh my word, do I have a a story to tell with you of a real person who helped and who um, showed the way. And these are things that we can be doing. So the fact that you give us that language of reimagining the world and all the different ways that each individual person, child, adult, sister, brother, teacher, friend can reimagine the world and how, what is it? If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change, right? Make a change. Yeah, I is think that it's not, so interesting. Is that yeah. not what we're living right now? <laughs> that is what we're living right now. I think it's also like such an important moment to remember that everything we have or experiencing are experiencing right now as humans was created, right? Like we, the society we have right now was created, right? Like the, the way that we think about how we get food and all of that stuff was created. And there were people all along the way who are helping to... Um, to make that idea the thing that we do now, right? And so if that was the case, if, if many humans led us to this point 
other humans can lead us to different points. And I think that um, as we're just thinking about it and we're talking to kids about it, right, it's just like if you are seeing, if you're feeling something right now and that's making you sad and it's something you wish you had, right, how could we make it when the outside opens up again, which is how everybody's been talking to me about it, like when we, when the outside opens up again, like how do we, how do we create the thing that we feel like is missing right now, right? Like if there's this kind of connection that we feel like is missing, if there's this um, kind of empathy or whatever else is missing, or if we feel like there are not the kinds of jobs that allow people to live and thrive, like how do we as, as the adults who support young people, but then also how do young people, when they see an issue or a problem, how do they create a solution for it? I think helping them imagine and think of the tools that they need to do it, I think is such, a, such an important and a timely thing right now. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. We've talked about seeing one another, and I've found it a profound exercise to challenge students and myself to think of others when I'm not in direct contact with them daily. Mm-hmm. How do you think of people other than yourself when all you know right now, for the most part, is yourself and the people living under the roof with you? How do you step beyond that and think of others that to me has helped been a great escape from being in this one location (laughs) for the past several weeks is thinking about those other people in other locations thinking about the helpers thinking about the people putting their lives at risk but also thinking about people that just exist in the world Mm -hmm. other people with other experiences and how 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 beautiful all the differences and similarities are. You know, I, there's a, a guest we've invited onto the show today that so has excited. helped. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually a person that has helped me to connect with a good number of people um, through International Dot Day, through um, connecting, making dots, making a mark, helping children see that they have a voice in this world and they are part of a global community. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Peter H. Reynolds, children's book author, illustrator, bookshop owner, founder of Fable Vision, and an advocate for creativity and children of all ages. His books include The Dot, Going Places, Happy Dreamer, Word Collector, and many, many others. Peter's most recent release, Be You, is an affirming story. It affirms the gifts readers possess that can help to change and shape the world for good. It's a beautiful book with a lasting message and one that fits perfectly with today's focus on reimagining the world. Please welcome Peter Reynolds. This is Peter H. Reynolds, and I am author illustrator of the dot and ish and the sky color and the North Star and say, say something and be you among a bunch of others. And you can call me whatever pronoun you want. As long as you're nice to me, I will respond. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to have you on Kidlet these days, Peter. It's wonderful to be connected with you again. We've been connected for some time and you are an individual uh, that I think is a beacon of kindness and love. And I, I appreciate that, that you're able to join us to talk today. Yeah, well, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful to be um, spending some time with you today in my studio here. I've been quarantined. Actually, I quarantined pretty early because I was on a book tour for two weeks for my new book, Be You. And I crisscrossed the country and ended up in, uh, well, I almost made it to Seattle but everything was canceled by then. And then I headed home and I said, all right, I was in uh, seven airports, talked to 6,000 kids and educators. And I think that probably warrants staying away from everybody for a while. So I (laughs) stayed away for 14 days, which included my birthday. I was in quarantine for my family. And um, and then as soon as I was out of quarantine, everybody else began, <laughs> went into quarantine. So we're all in this together. We've heard that before. But, um, you know, gosh, are we ever? And um, so it's it's, you know, being connected to humans through technology is actually um, people are really appreciating that we have technology that we can connect with each other. So I'm glad. 
I know you and I have been connected. Our dots are not only connected, they're welded because <laughs> we share the same mission to inspire uh, people to um, really activate their true potential, um, whether that's through being inspired by books or art or films or by by each other. So it's really awesome to be with you today through wow. technology. I was mentioning before recording that your newest book, Be You, is, is what's bringing us together in this moment, but mm-hmm. also that I, prior to this, shared it with all of my readers at my school, because we've been doing a nightly story time where I invite all the families to join us, and we have different faculty that reads each night as well. And I thought maybe if you don't mind, I'd read an excerpt of this new book and then ask you some questions about it. In BU, BU is full of these affirmative language phrases that support readers with confidence and love. We read, be adventurous, live a big life. When you are ready, step outside your comfort zone, bravely explore new paths and see where they lead you. Be connected. Find kindred spirits. Be with those who make you feel like the real you. Be persistent. Keep going. Never stop. Keep going. Never stop. Keep going. Never stop. That's the page that makes me cry. That's why I wanted to stop mm. right there. Oh. <laughs> I wonder, I'm glad you like that page. I love, I love yeah. the whole thing. So I wonder yeah. what for you was this inspiration that brought you to writing this book? You know, I think it was probably 59 years of being a human <laughs> and realizing, you know, that it it isn't easy. And, you know, when we, you know, we, we go to school and then we graduate and we get our diploma and then they send us off into real life and, you know, we're grown-ups and adults. And we, you know, I think the the myth is that we know everything. And, of course, we don't. And a lot of times we we learn by our mistakes. And, I mean, I think that's what's wonderful about a book is that maybe they can whisper some advice to you um, and share a story or two about somebody else's experience and say, wow, you know, gosh, if I do do it that way i'm i might you know things might not turn out well but if i maybe if i tried it this way maybe things might be um might turn out better and um you know we're we're never finished you know we're we're works in progress and i every so often you get a little bit of you know a little nugget of wisdom which helps you on the journey and my twin brother paul he gave me a nugget of wisdom when my book first book came out the North Star. And I was a grown up. I was probably 35, 36, something like that when the book came out. And I presented this to a group of educators. And I was so nervous. I was sweating like I've never sweated before. <laughs> I was on, <laughs> on stage and, and I was I had prepared this PowerPoint and I was so, you know, I was so prepared. And I I I was reading off of the slides and it threw me for a loop, you know, for reading off the slides. And I, I had this weird feeling like nobody in the audience wants to hear me. And I had a one hour with them and I ended about 32 minutes into the session. I said, well, that's it. (laughs) And I just, I marched off and I went to the hotel room and I was soaked in sweat and my dear twin brother Paul said to me, Pete, you were fantastic. And I said, no, I wasn't. He said, no, you were fantastic. He said, the only problem is you're reading from the slides. And what I want you to do is to uh, listen to your heart because you know this and you, you believe in this story of the North Star. So just say what's in your heart. And that was a profound moment for me because here I was a grown-up professional and I had lost my confidence, but I needed someone to whisper in my ear, right? To, to listen to my heart. And, you know, we all need that. We all need those little nudges, those little words of wisdom uh, along the way. And sometimes it's when we're at our most fragile and um, sometimes in really dark moments, you need somebody to reach out and help you. And so that's why I'm a big fan of words and that people should share their words because they're really powerful and they can change they can change lives and make them better. Yeah, I mean you've 
in so much made a career out of sharing those words and helping children, readers of all ages, feel seen and loved and and cared for. And it's so wonderful to hear that it, it goes all the way back to your relationship with your brother and to visiting schools. But I wonder in the way that I, I, I see how your works have the ability to affect change in our world through those that are reading them. I wonder if mm-hmm. you see yourself as an activist. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually, I love that word activist, right? Active is a great word, right? Yeah. Moving and, and changing things. And, you know, I like to think of myself as an activator, right? And that my books are, um, they activate change, but it's not through my book. It's from the person who reads it. And of course, fortunately, a lot of my books end up in the hands of parents and educators. And educators really know how to activate a book. They don't just you know, put it down and say, okay, next book. They're like, okay, now let's dive deeply into this book. And they know how to um, make the messages in the book come uh, to life and also how to connect it to kids and and motivate them to um, to do something, um, whether it's to climb a mountain or uh, write that letter or to start their own their own not for profit. Um, teachers know how to activate books, so I'm kind of like a co-activator um, of big ideas. But I need you know I can't do it by myself. I need I need the people who uh, read my books. So and and I'm glad you pointed out that I. I really write my books for all ages, um, certainly for kids, but I'm, you know, I'm a big believer that we grownups are just, we happen to be bigger kids and, um, we're, so my messages are really for all ages. I mean, you said it earlier that we are all works in progress and I feel that way. I feel in touch with that message as I use your books with my readers, as we do activities, as we've done Mm-hmm. Dot day for, I mean, we're almost at decades now. Yes. That yeah. I feel that I grow closer to children the more that I am vulnerable with them and show them mm. that, that I am growing too. Yeah, and that's a powerful, it's a powerful lesson. Um, kids um, are, of course, they look up to us uh, as grownups and big people. Um, but I, you know, the the most powerful thing we can do for our kids is to show them what bravery looks like, you know, to show them what creativity looks like. But I think vulnerability is also really powerful. Like being able to say like, like, I don't know something. I, I I'm lost. I'm confused. That's, that's okay. Cause I think there's a paradigm, you know, there's a, maybe it's a, like a myth that, you know, like kids don't know stuff and adults do, and we're going to try to get you to know stuff. It's like, no, we adults, you know, we, we're, we've taken the best shot at knowing stuff, but we don't, we, we don't know it all. Um, and in fact, the kids can shine lights on, on things for us. And that's why I love hanging out with kids because they're so brilliant and wonderful and they're so open and generous of spirit. You know, they, they haven't, uh, loaded on all the baggage, of you know, stereotypes and, um, pre- preconceived notions. They, they come at it really fresh. And for me, I know I benefit from being around kids. And I think that I, I aspire to be um, more kiddish. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, I like that in BU, you've got some other language that speaks to that as well. Be your own thinker. Be mm. okay to reach out for help is the way you nearly end the book and mm. I, I I think about now in a time where we are all safe at home um, where we hopefully are lucky enough to be around those that we love and we're able to to have time with them and feel cared for by them uh, not mm. only by those connecting with us virtually but also those in our home I wonder uh, what ways Peter you think our readers could reimagine the world in this time of social isolation yeah well i mean the world got tipped upside down (laughs) 
in, in a way I haven't experienced in my lifetime. I mean, we've come close uh, here and there, but the world really got tipped upside down. And we're really rethinking the way, um, you know, you know, families relate to each other and, and, you know, what we could do with less, right? I'm a big, big believer in, right, less is more. And, you know, uh, you know, we have, we have our homes and we have, fortunately, we have these, these portals now that we can connect with other people. And I actually, I have never seen such a wave of creativity sweeping the planet. It's <laughs> amazing to me to see how many, you know, artists and musicians and uh, creative people really um, connecting and sharing and inspiring people. And people have, t they have time on their hands and things are kind of, because we weren't planning for this, um, you know, kids were sent home, they're hanging out with their family, and everyone's just hungry for um, for inspiration. And uh, right now, kids are discovering that you, know, you could do a lot with a little, right? You can, with that little platform that you have, you can, you can share what you're thinking and feeling and dreaming. And instead of memorizing, right, because we, we, just left all that behind you know kids were spending a lot of energy memorizing textbooks and getting ready for you know standardized testing and we've kind of we've sort of been given the hall pass to say mm, let's forget about that this year and let's just do let's learn and be curious and um and what's wonderful is the world has never <laughs> been in such need of help and every single person matters. I'm so delighted to see what people are doing, um, you know, whether it's, you know, sewing masks or, um, uh, you know, coming up, you know, sharing their, their talents, you know, with the world. So, you know, it's uh, every single person who's listening to this can share their talents and their energy and their love with the world. Um, but of course, the most important thing is make sure that you're taking care of the people in in your in your home, and then sort of work out from there. So, make sure that well, take care of yourself first. That's the most important thing. Make sure you're happy and inspired, and be healthy and eat good food and exercise, um, and then work your way out because there are circles around you. Right? There's your family, and then there's the community, your community, and then then there's the whole world. So you know. The sky's the limit. You can change the whole world. Well, but make sure you start with yourself. <laughs> I'm so glad that that you've connected so many of us. You've made my world bigger, Peter, and I appreciate your reminder to to start with us and to start mm. start with who's around us and grow up from there. I appreciate you and I appreciate you sharing your latest book and, and all of the great things you shared today. Thanks for joining oh. us, Peter. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so much. It, it was lovely to spend time with you and um, with all of your listeners, too. And, you know, our dots are connected. They're welded. And let's, um, yeah, let's move this world to a better place together. This episode of Kid Lit These Days is sponsored by The Messy Life of Blue by Shauna Rayleigh from Little Bee Books. 11-year-old Beulah Blue Warren spends every waking moment surrounded by boys, her three brothers, her father, her best friend, even the family dog. But that's never stopped her from being her usual rambunctious self. Grappling with the loss of her mother, Blue is determined to do what she wants without fear of consequences. But everything changes on the day she explores the attic and finds her mother's death certificate. Blue will need to muster all the strength she has to deal with the truth, find forgiveness, trust in her father, and grieve her mother once and for all. That's The Messy Life of Blue by Shauna Rayleigh from Little Bee Books. Thanks for sponsoring this episode. So now we turn to our book talk segment, where we share books based on the theme that we are focusing on today, which is reimagining our world. Remember that you can find these books 
at bookriot.com slash listen in the episode show notes for episode 29 of Kill It These Days. If there are books that you also loved or that you want to share with us, you can do that over social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. Nicole, I have seen your list. I love your list. I feel like, well, now Nicole mentioned all my favorite books, so what more can I offer? So I am just going to be smiling while you talk about your titles today. Why don't you start us off? Don't forget, you have a poem to read us, Matthew, when we get there. So When um, we get there, I've got it ready. Okay, great. So the first book that actually came to mind when I was thinking about this topic was What If? It's a picture book by Samantha Berger, and it's illustrated by Mike Curato. And it is so beautiful. I remember when I walked into a bookstore, this is years ago, it was like 40 years ago, and it was just laying on the table in the kids section. And I was like, what is this? It's this beautiful black girl with purple hair and the stars are in her hair on the cover. And the whole book is just about imagining and, and, and creating. And I love that book because I think often um, we don't get enough black and brown children, or especially black children, in storybooks. Um, and picture books that are just living regular lives or just dreaming regular, you know, like we're getting more and more of those, which is exciting. Um, but those kinds of books where it's not a historical figure or it's not set in like the Jim Crow South, but it's like about imagining <laughs> are rare and they're beautiful. And I love this book. And there's a, a line in there um, where the main character is imagining herself in the stars. And it says, if there was no light, I would still use my voice to sing out my stories to chant and rejoice. And I felt like it was so timely for right now. If there was no light, I feel like it's the, the light is very dim right now. So like there's still space to use our voice, to sing out our stories and to chant and rejoice. I love it. So what if? Mm, Sam Berger and Mike Crotto are both very close friends of mine. And two things. One, I will say that Sam's rhyming, her rhythm and rhyme are so beautiful always and this one is exceptional and um two not only does mike carrado have a um semi-autobiographical graphic novel coming out called flamer which is so good already i've been reading it um but also um the the book cover of this book was one of the few books we could not help ourselves from book facing all the time at my previous school. My students would open up the cover, which is the, a, a girl's face, and they would hold it up in front of them. So imagine these beautiful black and brown girls, uh, Nicole, holding up this book face of just Aww. them with the words, what yes, if, and here yes, they are. I'm like, yes. this is, this just, it oh, brings me back to dream. that school. and just, oh, I love it. it just, it's I, the dream. Such a, that's what I love. When a, when a book has a life, of its own. It's it's such a gift. Uh, let me take a, you to the next book. As I've been thinking about the beyond, the when we get back into quote-unquote doing school and doing life in the way that we were accustomed to, I've been thinking a lot about mindfulness mm-hmm. and how I think it's going to be a more prevalent practice Um, in our society, because I've seen a lot of people centering on mindfulness, and I think schools will really get there too. So I wanted to share a book called The Breathing Book. It's by Christopher Willard and Olivia Weiser, and the art is by Alison Oliver, who illustrated a book that you're going to mention a little later on. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is straight up a book about breathing, and about calling your attention to the breath. There's not really a story per se, but a narrator who's speaking to you, guiding you through this book as a mindful practice. I like to describe it as, do you know that wonderful book, Press Here by Hervé Toulet? Yeah, That like interactive Press the Colors book? I do. This is sort of an interactive, less interactive, but, but it calls the reader to touch the book to trace lines in the book, to to interact with the book as a means of mindfulness and focusing on the breath. And quite frankly, I return to this book for my own mindfulness practices. And that to me is about as strong a testament as I can give. I love that. Um, well, my next book, we talked about it last uh, last episode, but Woke is a Young Poet's Call to Justice. It's by Mahogany Brown, Elizabeth Acevedo. 
um, Olivia Gatwood, and it's illustrated by Theodore Taylor. Um, and it's lovely. And I heard, Matthew, that you've got a poem to share from it. The poem that we both had on our heart that I'm going to share <laughs> from this book is called What is an Intersection? This poem in particular is written by Mahogany L. Brown and Olivia Gatwood. And the poem goes like this. An intersection is a place where things come together, like four cars waiting to go different directions at a stoplight. People intersect too, not just while moving down the street, but in who we are. Inside our bodies is a stoplight where our identities come together to make us a house of flamethrowers, to make us a river of living things. We all have multiple identities. You might be in a room full of girls, but no two are exactly alike. Classmate with nose ring and printed headband, soccer player with flowing scarf and full smile, student in library with brown skin and headphones, skateboarder with hat to the back and book in hand, swimmer with painted nails and crew cut, dancer who says, only call me by my name. That's intersectionality. We all have different experiences of the world, and we all have experiences we share. Intersectionality means paths crossing one another with respect. Intersectionality means moving with intentionality and acknowledgement of your surroundings. Intersectionality means we are all happening. We are all supporting each other. We are an ecosystem living and growing, depending on each other for survival, evolving and becoming whole. Oh, that's perfect. We are all happening. We are all supporting each other. It's just such a beautiful thing. And it's like so necessary right now. And that was from Woke, a, a, a young poet's called a justice. I just yeah, I think if anything, we need to call our young poets and young. We're sharing a lot of books where the language is really resonating within us, much like I said at the very top about how I've been experiencing story times, right? So the book I want to share next, Nicole, is called You Matter. It's by Christian Robinson. This is his author illustrator debut, if you're counting another, which was a wordless book, as just sort of his solo illustrator debut. <laughs> this book has words, is what I'm trying to say. Um, the text mirrors itself from beginning to end, and the illustrations follow life from its start on Earth until now. But where it brings us is to a child looking out a window and affirming that all of life is happening and that the child matters. Nicole, the words I'm going to read to you are these ones, because I feel like this is the gift we can share all of us. The lines go, Sometimes home is far away. Sometimes someone you love says goodbye. Sometimes you feel lost and alone. But you matter. Old and young, the first to go and the last. The small stuff, too small to see, you matter. And it ends on a black child looking from an airplane out a window at his city below. Looking at all of it as if they were small like ants. And the significance of that is the book starts with a girl looking through a microscope at life small as ants. It's a beautiful, beautifully structured, beautifully mirroring book that that the text can can be what you need it to be. I'll leave it there. I love that. Um, my next one, I actually haven't read this book, but it was recommended to me. And I love the title because it's a callback to um, another great thinker and doer. So the title is called A Good Kind of Trouble. And it's by Lisa Moore Ramey. And the good trouble piece or the good kind of trouble, it comes from um, Representative John Lewis. Um, he talks, he's a civil rights activist. 
And he talks all the time about getting into good trouble. You know, the, you know, when you're trying to fix the world, that's the good kind of trouble. Um, and so I'm going to read the, the description of the book. But 12-year-old Shayla is allergic to trouble. All she wants to do is follow the rules. Oh, and she'd also like to make it through seventh grade with her best friendships intact, learn to run track, and have a cute boy see past her giant forehead. <laughs> but in junior high, it's like all the rules have changed. Now she's suddenly questioning who her best friends are. And some people at school are saying, she's not black enough wait what Shay's sister Hannah is involved in the Black Lives Matter um, but Shay doesn't think that that's for her after experiencing a powerful protest though Shay decides some rules are worth breaking she starts wearing an armband to school in support of the Black Lives movement soon everyone is taking sides and she is given an ultimatum Shay is scared to do the wrong thing even more scared to do the right thing but if she doesn't face her fear she'll forever uh, she'll be forever tripping over the next hurdle. Now that's trouble for real. Wonderful. I'm going to add two more middle grade books that I think point to the work we can do and will continue to do um, beyond quarantine. And the first is Strange Birds by Celia C. Perez, which is a beautiful story about... Um, a group of girls and the adults in their life. But these girls in particular form a sort of like a Girl Scouts troop that is anti, anti the established Girl Scouts group in the book. Uh, <laughs> and these girls are centering their work together, their bond around protest and activism. And it's a middle grade novel that I hand to a lot of children as a means of affirming, look at the power you and your voice and your actions have on the world at large. I also just love me some Celia Perez. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the second book I'll share is What Lane by Tori Maldonado, which is a fabulous audiobook read by Tori himself um, about a boy who um, has uh, his name Stefan and he has a, a wristband from his favorite basketball player that says what lane um, and he is navigating what it means to quote stay in your lane or to act with the knowledge that there is no lane at all and what that means to be a child of color in a world where um there are people trying to tell you to stay in a certain lane. Um, what it means to in, in uh, another character in the book um, to be a white man, a white boy, and and have to be the one to stand up against the other white guy who is uh, being racist, who's being awful, um, and to show that you are not going to stand in some white solidarity, that you are going to stand against that racism. There's a lot of characters at play in what lane, and I feel like they're balanced beautifully, and the story is paced exceptionally. And I don't know if you've read a book by Tori before, Nicole. He is, his books, his middle grade novels are always like a hundred pages long. And you're like, how do you put (laughs) this amazing amount of story and complexity into 120 (laughs) pages? And he does. And he does. And it's glorious. So, um, yeah. What Lane by Tori Maldonado. That's where I'll end it. Okay. And I've got some picture books to end. So one I wanted to give is The Bear's Garden by Marcy Colleen. And it's illustrated by Allison Oliver, who we talked about earlier. And um, I love this book because it's about a little girl who imagined a community garden. And she um, she's like thinking about how she's going to help the garden grow. And she leaves her bear in charge of helping. Like when she when she has to leave and go out of town, she leaves her bear to help imagine this place. And I think the book ends on something like it's it's like a place to love, like the garden becomes a place to play and a place to love. Um, And I just think it's a great story about creation and how we can make things that we want to see in our own neighborhoods and in our own worlds. Um, And then you recommended this one to me. It's Imagine by Juan Felipe Herrera, and it's illustrated by Lauren Castillo. Um, And it's the, the illustrations are gorgeous. Like, (laughs) It's just like oh, a yeah. gorgeous Oh, book. yes. <laughs> it is gorgeous. It's by Caldecott-winning illustrator, <laughs> Lauren Castillo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's just a gorgeous book. And it's about also imagining a different world, imagining a different place. And there's these gorgeous images and streams and outdoors. It's, it's lovely. 
And then I, this is a, this is an oldie but goodie. What do you do with an idea is by oh. um, Kobe Yamada and it's illustrated by May Besslem. And one year, Matthew, I talk about this all the time because I get into these bin, these things where I buy a, a stack of books and give them to all the children in my life at whatever Christmas, oh. you know, it is. And this is one that I gave out so many times um, the first year I read it. And I think what I love about this book is the tenderness and the vulnerability that's in it and talking about how hard it is to give life to your ideas, right? Sometimes these things are so precious to us and it's hard to release them into the world. Um, but, you know, if, if we do, there is just this opportunity for, for beauty and greatness um, and so I just love this um, this book that imagines an idea as an actual thing, right? Like an actual physical thing that's being carried yeah. across this, the entire length of the book. Um, it's just such a good book. I really recommend The whole series by Kobe is, is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I want to close our book talking segment with a quote from The Bear's Garden because it happens yes. to be one of my favorite books. And in that book, a girl is raising a seed, though a seed that will be planted in an abandoned lot that ultimately will become a garden. And this is a book that takes inspiration from the actual Bear's Garden in Brooklyn. Um, but the girl, as the seed is growing, does this thing that I think is the line that we want to say to kids too, which is, I believe in you. And in fact, the line reads like this. I believe in you, she whispered every morning and every night. Isn't that glorious? I have chills, so yes. I believe in you. (laughs) Well, thank you all. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast. We always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Matthew Winner, at Matthew Winner on Twitter. And you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at IttyBittyNY. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear on the show. May your coming days be storied and may the good stories keep on coming. Keep on coming.